Welcome everyone to the Future Space. I'm Daniel Fox. Today I'm talking to Thomas Reamer. Deborah Sass was supposed to join us, but she's traveling. Both of them are founders of Space Hero, the world's first ever global competition series where participants compete for a $55 million prize, 10 day trip to space, the biggest prize ever to be awarded on TV. Both of them come from the entertainment industry. Besides wanting to learn more about the Space Hero and its long-term vision, I'm also curious to learn about their own personal journey. Thomas, welcome to the future space and please speak on behalf of Deborah. Absolutely, thank you, Daniel. Um, I'm very happy to be here. So before we go into Space Hero and your journey from the entertainment industry to space, can you give me three words that describe space for you? <sighs> Only three. <laughs> I guess uh, it, most importantly, space for me represents hope. It represents unity and it represents energy. And what I mean um, by that is I think space is uh, the ultimate expression of our inherited urge to explore. And that um, can be manifested in space exploration. We often do things uh, that we wouldn't do uh, on Earth, we do in space, right? Because uh, we have impossible missions that we are creating and impossible goals that we are setting just to see if we can achieve them. And I think that humans uh, need that to thrive and to put everything into perspective that we're doing on our planet as well. My apologies. There's so... <laughs> I'm looking forward for for this world where interviews are going to be in person and in, in, uh, in studios. So hope, unity, and energy. I love it. I, you know... I'm in the process of writing the next post for the future space. And it's about how this idea or this place that we are, the single, the, the life on, on single planet is about to become multi-planetary um, uh, planets. And it's the same from when single cells became multi-cells. I mean, from the perspective of life, it's just a different scale, but it's the same process. And everything changed when it went from single to multiple and i can only imagine the future that we're about to create as we're taking life or what i call earth knowledge into outer space and start connecting these other spots of life in the universe because life inherently wants to connect and it wanted to connect on the planet and it wants to connect on the universe level so i'm so excited about the future and i love your word energy yeah, the energy is the most important one <clears throat> because if you don't have a reason for doing, then you will never do. And it's, it's, it's as simple as that, right? And we create a lot of reasons. The more we believe we have discovered our own planet, which, of course, you and I know we haven't discovered a tenth of it, right? Yeah. Uh, but still, you know, it feels like we have a good grip on it. And now we want to go somewhere else and uh, do this. I love the analogy of a single cell, multi-cell, multi which is 
absolutely true. You expand the horizon and, um, you know, we can see what this brings to us. I mean, the logic behind it is very, very simple. If we don't try, um, we will never know, right? And uh, it goes for every undertaking that uh, we do, be it a bakery, be it a delivery site, or be it Space Hero. Life always wants to go to new places. And when, when it can't, it's not because it doesn't want to, it's because something is in between. And, you know, even from when we started our own little villages and we saw the mountains, it was always like, what is beyond that mountain? And if we, if we were not able to go there, it's just because we couldn't figure out how. But once, as soon as we figure out the how, we want to go to places. And that's life in general. Life is always trying to figure out its way to move forward. And right now, the only reason, like I say often, that like when you have a glass of water, the only thing that contains the water is the glass. If you break the glass, it falls on the ground and it doesn't stop there. It constantly keeps trying to figure out where to go. And even if it finds its, its way to the ocean, it's still moving. The only thing that keeps the water there is the gravity. But if you took the gravity away, it would be going to places. And the humans are really the best ambassadors for that life because we're always kind of, we've put a rational to this desire to explore. So now we've made it almost kind of a, of a mission to push the boundaries. And I think that's one of the big success of our, on, on our species is that we've given ourselves the tools to go beyond this biological need that we have. And now it's almost more like a kind of a psychological need that we need to, to go and find the curiosity to explore. That's right. And those are also the stories that we are going to tell with Space Hero and uh, the people that we want to see applying, right? Because, yeah, you know, it's a space trip, it's expensive, it is the biggest price, all these things, but what really are the characteristics of a Space Hero, the person that essentially the whole world can agree on, deserves this opportunity for all of us. And uh, exploration and being, you know, all for new things and discovering new things certainly is one of the uh, major characteristics that you should have in order to explore this and win this competition. Uh, but of course, there are others, right? Because what do you do with this knowledge ultimately is the big question. You need to understand that, um, you know, this, your life is going to be um, a service to humanity because uh, you will be the most credible person uh, when you fly up there and come back. And whatever you are going to tell about what you've seen is going to be the knowledge that, again, brings humanity forward, right? And so that position is very, very important. People that apply for, or will apply for Space Hero uh, out of very selfish reasons, you know, to gain more fame or vanity or whatever, you know, won't really yeah. um, have a chance to sustain this because um, the task is way bigger than your ego. So before we get into the detail of Space Hero and the whole logistic and the structure around it and the why and how, you come from the entertainment industry, music, a lot of it. Um, Tell us how you went from this to space and the birth of Space Hero and your partnership with Deborah, who is not with us today, but obviously she's an important part of that uh, of uh, of this project. For sure. So 
I grew up in East Berlin, right? So when the wall came down, I was 18. It was just perfect timing. I had just finished school. And then suddenly uh, I wasn't only free of school, but also free of everything else, which uh, was absolutely brilliant. The best system change, you know, that could have happened. And uh, we um, uh, enjoyed the 90s in Berlin as, you know, teenagers and in our 20s uh, as something that was actually a gift, you know, given to us in a way that, you know, it shaped uh, everything um, what I what I've seen from design from from why people do things why people create things right because it was so pure Berlin is a you know inherently compared to other big cities on this planet like New York or London a very cheap city very poor city right but that of course makes for great creativity because it attracts people that can live there cheaply and do things and uh, so that's how I grew up this uh, sense of creation and design was very uncommercial non-commercial and um, when you go out to the world and you discover, for whatever reason, uh, people do create things, then you understand that a big motivation of that is money, right? And uh, money is not necessarily uh, the best advisor when it comes to creation and arts, right? It's, um, you know, most of the times it's pain, it's hunger, it's hardship. And um, because I went through the system change, you know, I also came from nothing because my parents had set up a life in East Germany and they thought it's going to go on forever, but it didn't, right? And clearly being communist, they didn't, you know, save money or they didn't buy an apartment or anything, nothing like that. So when we started uh, in uh, the new society, we started fresh without anything. Um, plus also uh, without the knowledge uh, that our peers had, you know, of, you know, growing up in a system that we only experienced from a distance. Um, so I had to learn everything anew, uh, but um, luckily enough, I was young, right? So I could learn quickly. I studied history and politics uh, at the West Berlin University, and uh, I was about to uh, have a career as a, um, a PhD candidate, so going into academics, basically, when my uh, professor, my doctor father, as we call them here in Germany, died suddenly, right? Not because my work was so bad, but, uh, you know, he's just old. And uh, I switched careers like almost from uh, one day to the other because a friend of mine had just set up a band and I started managing them. And uh, it was a great time. We were all very young, 22, 24. And we, began, you know, went on to have four number one hits, two number one albums in Germany and, um, you know, enjoyed the high life of having a successful pop act in the charts. Uh, then I, you know, opened up a music club in Berlin, a hip hop club. We had uh, brilliant guests like uh, Karis One, um, uh, you know, Jerul. We had, we had tons of people there. Jim Miroquai, Earth, Wind and Fire, everybody was there. Massive Attack opened the club. So um, it was also another great venture into the industry to see you know, how this could work and enjoy the life. You do everything because you want to enjoy your, your, yourself, right? And those things are just like an amazing thing for that. Um, then I wanted to uh, do something more serious in the entertainment industry, study management, really you know, learn the business. And um, I didn't want to just do it in Germany, so I moved to Liverpool. I applied at the Paul McCartney Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. And uh, was accepted in one of the first courses. And man, that was like the big change in my life. I moved, I had a kid at the time, like my son was two months old, my daughter two years old. 
So we moved the whole family over to Liverpool, I rented a house and we lived there. And um, I indulged myself for three years into the international entertainment industry because my mentors uh, were like Ed Bicknell, the manager from the Dire Straits, Paul Barrow, the manager from Duran Duran, Phil Sachs, the manager from the Happy Monday. So like, wow, you were like straight away thrown into this bam, right? This super success. And I learned a lot from them <clears throat> and uh, set up a company as a result of that after three years uh, with a friend of mine in London, Mark Bjornskart. We set up Artists First because in 2003, we figured that the music industry was massively changing, right? All the distribution changed, you know, nobody was dependent on physical product anymore. It all went digital and it destroyed the music industry for a bit until it, you know, bounced back. And uh, we wanted to help um, by developing tools for artists that they can use, right? So the, the hot page at the time was MySpace, which was like a precursor of Facebook, I would say. And everybody had a MySpace page. And with our software, you could turn your MySpace page into a shop. You could uh, you know, sell your music and people could buy it with text messages, which was unheard of at the time. We built payment gateways that worked in 37 countries and um, you know, slept between the servers because we didn't have money for hotels, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we had clients at one point, George Clinton, um, Raphael Sadiq, the hieroglyphics, and then finally Prince. So we were doing well and uh, sold the company in 2006 to um, one of Bob Geldof's companies called Ubloom uh, and um, went our separate ways. Mark and I are still friends uh, and we, you know, hang out once in a while. He was just visiting uh, me in January and it was awesome to be together because he is a firecracker brain too. Um, after that, I was thinking, you know, what to do next. And uh, it was the time when YouTube became really popular, 2006, 2007. And uh, I decided to create a web series, right? Like an, a late night show on, on YouTube, which we call Big Fish, Little Fish. It was, uh, we produced six episodes for the German market with an excellent host. And um, MTV came knocking, they wanted to buy it and put it on television, but it never was the cultural fit, right? We were very, very rough and, and dirty. That's how it worked, basically. <laughs> These things don't work on television. And um, uh, then I had an idea for a concept of a girl band, and that girl band was called The Bricks. A girl band from Brazil, Russia, India, China, and the States, five girls, right? And uh, I convinced somebody in New York from uh, Ogilvy, the president of Ogilvy, to send me around those countries and meet with marketing and TV execs. And while I was on that tour, uh, the last country I visited was Russia. And in Russia, I met uh, in Moscow um, with the head of Channel One, which is a big friend of um, the current president. And uh, they loved the concept, right? That was 2007. Because we had thought about everything, right? Um, time zone-based voting, international distribution, all this stuff. So that, <coughs> sorry, you really have a TV show that spans, you know, five countries. And um, he invited me to dinner at night and asked me if he could suggest something, you know, something that they always wanted to do and never were able to do. And so he said, we would like to send somebody to the International Space Station, find this person at a global casting show. And I was like, wow, right? My little girl band aside, this must be the biggest show if this ever happens. And um, 
I asked him, you know, what do they have? He told me that they have a seat, like showed me a picture of a handwritten receipt that they had paid a deposit of $1.5 million to Energia, which is the company making rockets in, in, in Russia. And they had a format, which, of course, were like 13 pages full of stuff like uh, the contestants need to put flowers down at the Gagarin monument in Moscow and all this. And I'm like, okay, good. So we need to write a new format and, uh, you know, we need to set this up in a different way to really license this internationally. And uh, by now we're talking like 2008. So we set up a couple of companies uh, in Switzerland. We raised some money and started to um, try to license this thing out. But it never worked because we couldn't get a seat. At the time, it was clear that America is going to ground the shuttle and that everybody uh, needed a ride to the International Space Station to fulfill international obligations. No chance for us. So we had to shelve the project in 2012. And it broke my heart because, it, you know, you think that you're so close and that you get this done and you have the right partners, right? And it's like, wow, even they can't get it done and you can't get it done. It was a really, really tough time. Uh, to distract myself, I built another platform in China this time. I moved the family to Beijing. Sorry, kids, for being brutal. But uh, yeah, we lived in Beijing for four years and um, I did ADATC88, which was another platform for music, games, ebooks, and movies. <coughs> we had a couple of um, platform deals with Sony, with Universal, and did a legal uh, service in China that we later sold on to Bertelsmann, which is a German media giant. Okay, And then in 2015, when um, I did that, I got a call from somebody that said, you should bring back Space Hero because SpaceX is going to come onto the market and they are going to launch humans soon. So by that time, I was looking at myself and thinking, you know, why would you reheat this? Why would you reheat this old love, right? Is it a really good idea? And uh, would you do this alone? You know, what's those reasons? So I figured that, of course, I wouldn't do it to inflate my own ego anymore because I was older and wiser by then. Um, and of course, I wouldn't be doing this alone. Right. It's like if you do an impact project, it's better done with a lot of people. And, you know, it starts out with the first person that you ask. And uh, I called Debs because Debs and I, we go back 20 years. We um, have met each other in the music, entertainment, IT circles. You go to the same conferences worldwide. Right. And you, you know, keep the connection up. We um, established a friendship, a very strong friendship, because we've seen um, each other, you know, going to highs and lows. I mean, Debs' background in the entertainment industry is stellar. She also, you know, doesn't come from anything, right? A very um, um, underprivileged family background. And she worked and hustled her way up to where she is now. Uh, she was one of the youngest advertisement executives in uh, Australia, uh, she then moved uh, to London and then uh, to L.A., right, and was um, uh, owned, co-owned the top strategic advisory for any digital music business. And uh, she helped launch Spotify. She helped launch uh, Shazam. So she knows, right? And I always thought of Debs as uh, somebody that is absolutely fearless and global, right? Two um, characteristics that you need to pull off a thing like Space Hero. So I called her up one day, like four years ago, and um, told her about it. I said, you know, listen, would you help me 
um, uh, establish this global casting show where we are going to send the winner on the biggest prize ever, $55 million, uh, to the ISS. And she's like screaming. She's like, yeah, absolutely. I've just got one question. And I'm like, what is it? And she's like, what's the ISS? So basically, there was like zero knowledge on um, on anything space. And today, I can tell you that I think that that was a blessing. Because um, out of that situation, the first thing Debs obviously said, let's establish the relationships, you know, with space uh, industry and let's make them our stakeholders. A thing that I never looked into because I was spoiled, right? Because I, I came into this with somebody who had a ticket. So <clears throat> we, you know, Googled and looked up the, you know, first four space conferences coming up. We went to one in Luxembourg, one in Singapore, uh, one in the United States, I think it was in Seattle, and one in Abu Dhabi, okay? Amongst those four conferences, we've met all the people that you need to meet in the space industry was awesome. They looked at us as coming from the entertainment industry as, you know, who are these aliens? Um, you know, people that are scientists, you know, really researchers, inventors, all this kind of stuff that we could never pull off because that's not how a brain works. Uh, sitting there on their wonderful knowledge and achievement and essentially the whole world, you know, doesn't know, right? Yeah, people have a hunch what's going on in the space industry and they see some rockets flying. But really, right, all the work that goes in there is untold stories. And, you know, the impact and that we are doing this through a device now that connects us through satellite is the best testament of these things. And so we went and talked to everybody and told them that Space Hero could be the bridge, right, between the public perception of what the space industry is and the space industry itself. And uh, people slowly warmed up to that thought, right? They thought if somebody else can tell that story of who we are in a format like this, it makes tremendous sense. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to say that the team that we have established and the work that we've done over the past three years led to incredible things, incredible things. Amongst them, uh, letters of support from uh, over 100 companies in the space industry and a NASA Space Act agreement, which is rare for any media company to achieve that. And, of course, um, preliminary launch agreements with some of the launchers. So... We couldn't be happier where we are, and uh, it's an incredible journey, which, you know, when I just retell it to you, Daniel, it feels like it's a very natural progression, right, from, uh, you know, music, entertainment, to technology, to space. And I think the culmination of Debs and my experience is in that show, in that series, and I hope that we can produce it the way so people can see it. Now, I believe that Deb went from um, asking about the ISS and now she's a consultant from the World Economic Forum yeah. for space. Yeah, she, she's like she's in, in the Council for Space. Absolutely. It's an incredible journey, right? And she's doing excellent uh, work over there because, believe it or not, the World Economic Forum itself is like an echo chamber, right? And um, DEPS helps them to really have an impact in the world and, uh, you know, take a look on these things very, very differently. And, you know, I couldn't be prouder. And you're right. You know, that's exactly what happened. Within four years, it's a stellar career. I love how, I mean, I wrote about how 2021 was the tipping point for the our relationship with space. It went from a, a bubble to more of an inclusive, broader narrative. 
people like me who come from being a solo wilderness explorer, you know, in the nature world, in the outdoors, who now suddenly is fully dedicated into bridging space with nature and the human story. Like now it has become, it has been elevated from a science and I guess geek world to a more broader humanity dialogue conversation where it's not just, you know, about rockets, but it's going to be about everything. It's about the future of humankind into this new place in the same like it, it's like when Europe kind of started to explore the oceans and everybody would be talking just about the boats. Okay, the boats are just a way to get there. But once you get there, it's going to be a new economy, a new life. Everything about what we live today, it's going to be just over there. I, th I think what, you, what you're referring to and what you're trying to put into words is the acceleration. Yeah. There is an acceleration of knowledge and there is an acceleration of the distribution of that knowledge, right? And it has to do with technology, but also uh, with uh, the world developing further and people, people getting to that level where they can actually deal with things that, you know, not necessarily have to do only with their own life and trying to survive. And I'm saying that at a time which is very difficult, right? But the more interest people have in space... I think that is a direct correlation uh, to uh, the projected hope that space is, right? And uh, the harder the times, the more people talk about space. It's not really an escapism, but it is something that nobody wants to give up because ultimately, if we give up that thought, then we have given up on ourselves. And um, we shouldn't be, right? Because <clears throat> we've done so many things uh, in the right direction and... Um, What I see is it's a big battle of the old age versus the new age. And we just need to really believe in and hope that the new age is going to be the one that we are going to live in. I think that's one of the successes of our species is that every time we have reached that ceiling, we figure a way forward to go beyond. Because that's, you know, nature inherently is constantly pushing the boundaries of of its environment. I mean, every whether it's us, the humans, or a fungi, or a mammal, or a fish, you're always kind of consuming your environment until you get to that next stage, and then you have to figure out how to get to the next place. And the human species has been kind of, every time that it gets to that crisis, It creates two things. First, it forces it forces us to reassess how we've been there and the, and the consequences of our actions. But also, it gives us the incentive to go beyond and to invest. And it it it's a it's a complicated and messy process, obviously, because you need to feel these consequences and. I mean, this is a, a, a different conversation, but you and I am pretty sure that we would be um, having a, a nice bottle of wine and talking about the relationship between art and pain and suffering, how the creativity and the, the beautiful imagination that, that we do come from a place of not so fun. And if everything was perfect in life, I'm not too sure that we would have that 
same kind of uh, perspective on, of life. Artists are there specifically to be on, on the fringes of society so that they can remind the rest of us of a different perspective of do, uh, doing things in a different way. Um, That's right. It's a commentary, the social commentary. And, uh, and we at Space Hero, we are very much driven by that social commentary, right? Because ultimately, you know, when you look at uh, how things check out and how things really impact us, It's almost always a creation that has been done with um, not success in mind, but impact in mind, right? When you think about, I just uh, rewatched uh, Westworld, for example, right? And uh, when you think about that concept of the first season, um, the original concept of that amusement park, um, it's so far-fetched, it's so out there, right? It's a, it's a logical consequence of us trying to create... Um, you know, robots that are very similar to us and then the consequence of that. But then how this changes throughout the seasons in a way that, um, you know, this turns into an activity to, to, to mirror human life by observing humans through those robots and then recreating them, right? And it's like, okay, that's a totally different level. That's like, uh, that's level that nobody, you know, would have thought about. And as complicated as it sounds, it is logical. And uh, so what I actually want to say about this is the social commentary in arts is so important. And uh, with Space Hero, it's the only thing that we can contribute, right, is we can collect all those stories of the people that are applying, the people that are voting for them, right, and really rooting for the, you know, finalists, etc., and then for the final people. Um, if we can get this out there and people go away from this thinking, wow, um, I understand a little bit more about why we are here and why we should, you know, collaborate and really make this world one place. We have all the technology, you know, you know that we have everything to communicate directly with each other. Let's just do it. You know, let's not be held back by old systems. Let's break those systems and create new ones. You, uh, you got me kind of excited about Westworld because I remember when I watched that first, the first season, I was absolutely blown away and just the message of the character discovering the necessity for pain and suffering into the development of the character absolutely. and you start to see life in a total different perspective but then the show kind of fell victim of its own narrative because it kept going into the second and third season where the scarcity of it or the the, the premise of the show gives it value because it's limited, but then it becomes it becomes a victim because now it's like, okay, now the second season is too much. The third season should have never existed. <laughs> now, now, Thomas, tell me, uh, tell me more about where is Space Hero? What's the next step and what's happening right now? So right now we're building the organization, right? Because you can't pull off this project. And luckily enough, we understood that through the means of time you you cannot build this thing uh, you know from one day to another it's impossible to think that that's possible so although i'm an impatient person you know i had to curb myself and really you know stay calm and uh, listen to everybody around us and uh, really go the organic way so we've built this organization that is amazing we have people in there that are speaking 14 languages as you know as of today and uh, we are really reaching out to the globe 
That's the most important part for us. We want to do this right from the start. Um, it's a challenge because we're a small startup, right? But um, it will be the biggest advantage that we will have created in the long run. And uh, you cannot talk about a global activity or a global show if you don't reach to the globe, right? It's not about a couple of countries, a couple of territories. It's really about trying to reach everybody and uh, include them and give them a home and see where they are on that journey. Could they become an astronaut? You know, you can test yourself, even if you think you couldn't, right? Even if you hear about all these ridiculous requirements, start the journey and see if you get there, right? At the end of the day, if we are a multiplanetary species, um, there will be technology where we will all get on a spaceship and it's going to be like getting on an airplane. There's no tests needed. But to get there, right, we need everybody to be able, you know, to help progress uh, that mission. Um, we have three big steps ahead of us, Daniel. Uh, one is securing the mission and securing a mission date. Uh, then securing the best possible distribution for the content that we are going to create, because we really want it to be seen in a lot of countries, right? To us, this is um, creating the Olympics 2.0 and um, getting the world into a peaceful global competition series, right, that has a meaning to go on. And the third thing, obviously, is getting the right <clears throat> partners in that could help us um, uh, to further that mission. We have become a very credible brand, I can tell you that, not because we intended to do so, but because it took such a long time to put Space Hero together, right? And now we're golden. We're like, you know, we're so, um, you know, not perceived as commercial, but really mission driven um, that it has become true, right? It's like uh, ultimately the, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And um, we love to be seen like that. I mean, obviously you have to make the commercials check out. Um, we have a very strong uh, circle of founding investors, which, uh, you know, have kept the lights on for the entire project for years now. And we are lucky that uh, it's not only people who have invested money into Space Hero, but it's also people who have invested expertise, network, and time into Space Hero. That way, we are very, very lucky. We know the support uh, of the world is ours. And uh, we have now found the economical model to make this happen and will announce things very soon. So when, when the idea first started, there was only the ISS. Now Axiom is going up, Sierra Nevada, Nevada Corporation says Sierra Space, the Chinese also building their, their space station. Are you keeping an open mind on where Space Hero would go? Um, or are you still focusing on the ISS? Uh, what's, what's the situation right now? Um, good question, actually. We have changed the focus from the ISS into a free flyer with SpaceX. Because a lot of things are easier to do it that way. We would buy the entire mission. So we'd have three people flying for um, a number of days in space, like six, seven, eight, something like that. And um, it would be a mission tailored to our needs entirely. That means the inside of the spacecraft. That means, you know, all the media that goes around it, live streams, all the stuff will be enabled. And uh, people always ask us what other space hero is going to do on that trip into space, right? Uh, yeah, we could um, comply to science and experiments like everybody else does. 
but we don't really want to, right? We will give the data that we are generating on that flight for um, space exploration, for, for sure. If we have uh, or try to fly, you know, people that have a certain physical condition, for example, um, that needs to be explored, right? We would happily do that. But most of the time, uh, the Space Hero is going to communicate with Earth during that flight. And people then always wonder, right? So like, how, how long can you talk? Like eight hours, 10 hours, what is it, right? And how do you do this? The point is that you have a live stream and you have observations. You have one or two minute slots. You have five minute slots, 15 minute slots. Depending on who you talk to, you can talk to the whole world. The world will queue up to talk to you while you're there because that is the inspirational moment that you can create. That's where um, entertainment is brilliant and takes this away from science and technology only into a field that people can relate to a lot more. And that's the work. That's the work that we have to provide, right, is to make as many people as possible on this planet a witness of this, a connection, a partner in this. And that's what we intend to do. You know, you were talking about not focusing on the science aspect. And I was thinking of Chris Hetfield playing the guitar, singing in the space station. And that moment became one of the most popular pieces of content of the ISS um, experience on Earth. You have this song that was written on Earth being played in space, someone, an astronaut, doing something that he wasn't trained for. But art, music is that connection to everyone. It's that human story. And I've always said that artists are there to tell that human story. I think the one, you know, the billionaires are there to create the opportunities, but then the storytellers are there to communicate and to share that, that, that experience. And I'm looking forward that artists start to go to space, either musicians, writers, you know, all kinds of artists, so that they can bring down that experience and share it to, to, to the world. And I've, that is what Space Hero is going to be doing by taking those artists or those people who are able to tell the, the story of, of our journey into outer space. I, I mean, I love everything about it. So... What's the timeline now? Where, like, when do you think that you can expect um, finding those heroes and sending uh, sending them up uh, to space? We are aiming to open up the application phase at the end of this year, and uh, people will have time to sign up and and uh, download the app and you know start the process at the end of this year, and then the competition will start at the beginning of next year. That's when everything goes public with all the applicants. <clears throat> because remember, contrary to other casting shows, this is not decided in some kind of back room, right? This is decided by the public. So it's transparent from day one, right? We will make all applicants, you know, public from day one. And then people can engage, you know, with their profiles, with their activities. It's a great engagement fund. It's a very gamified experience that we've written. And um, people can enjoy the process, both applicants and viewers from day one, right? Until we arrive after six months at the 24 finalists. And the 24 finalists will then move together into the space village where they will meet for the first time in person, right? Representatives of their regions, of their countries, 
uh, carried by, you know, arguably a lot of people behind them, right, who want them to win. And then for three months, uh, the 24 will find the three most worthy candidates of amongst them that will go into training. Then the training will happen. And then, Daniel, the moment happens where three flight-ready astronauts will uh, step out and uh, go to the ramp. And the world has the chance to decide who is going to fly. Two have to go home, one will fly, <clears throat> and it's going to be a heartbreaking moment for anybody, but also a joyous moment for one person. The two will move on to the next season, be amongst the last 100, so there is a privilege, of course. Um, uh, but that moment will create the biggest single global vote that ever happened, and we're looking forward to that. If we... Uh... If we remember the Survivor Series became like a global phenomenon in financial success, this is like almost the the like the Survivor Series, but for space. When you have only one person that's going to step into into the 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 capsule. Absolutely. I mean, it's a bit different because you know I love Survivor and I love Amazing Race and all these things. Bert Van Manster, the producer and creator, is a good friend. Um. But obviously, you know, the requirements for going to space are a bit different than uh, surviving on planet Earth. And so the emphasis here really is on three things, right? Body, mind, and uh, heart. And uh, so the heart is like the cooperation element, right? The, the uh, you know, do you go what the other person wants? You need to be collaborative in space, otherwise you die. Um, you know, the mind is the knowledge, you know, with, uh, you know, the stuff that you need to know, you need to learn a lot, right? This is not just the physical, you know, challenge that you have to master. And then obviously the body is the one that needs to function great. But, you know, in that holy trinity, it almost takes an afterthought, right? Because technology moves into the places where we can take anybody to space. That's what we want to achieve, right? And, um so our current candidates, I would imagine, will be very well-rounded. And the stress really is, do you understand what you're doing? And can you carry that role on your shoulders for the rest of your life, right? That's where we will see the drama, because once people understand that, the magnitude of these things, the responsibility that comes with it, right? Some will be able to manage that, some won't. Now, I assume that in the back of your mind, you have this vision of, obviously, space hero the first step is the orbit this trip on the rocket and going once we settle on the moon i assume that you're looking to have that that project evolve and have people going to the moon um do you yeah absolutely so there are like 15 seasons planned one season every two years and um it's not only about the destinations so the moon is you know, part of that. Of course, the first human mission to Mars is part of that. But it's also the constellations that you're taking up into space, right? So it's not only one person, but maybe a couple. What about um, the first family into space, the first child in space, right? That would be a moment that I personally am looking forward to providing uh, because when that kid comes back and tells the world what's really up, people will absolutely listen. And to be honest with you, I also have nothing against, um, you know, the first pet in space. So sending somebody up there that goes with their pet would be a lovely show because, you know, humans and pet relationships are very important. Now, 
if people want to learn more or want to sign up for emails and uh, the newsletter and all the information, because obviously the applications are not open yet, but right. they're interested, where do they go? You can always sign up for um, becoming an insider, right, at um, wearespacehero.com. And then for you, until then, it's going to be developing, traveling, well, you and Deb, uh, working the all the logistic and the, the components to make that happen. Hopefully, by the end of the year, everything is going to, the light is going to turn and be turned on, the applications are going to go in, and the train is going to be starting moving forward. Well, the rocket is like the, the engine is going to be ignited and hopefully it's going to be going up. Um, Absolutely. It's exciting. It is so exciting. Look, you know, we took our time. I tell you why, because we never wanted to uh, overpromise or underdeliver. And we said, you know, we are never going to open any applications or anything where there is no prize at the end, right? And getting a mission to space is not easy because they are very rarely done. And so once we have solved that riddle, which is the, the most important one, uh, then we are very, very confident and happy to present the world what we want to do. We'll put the links in the, um, in the, uh, in the description and all the information that people uh, need to have. Uh, we encourage them to go and sign up. This is going to be super exciting and inspiring. Thomas, thank you so much for the vision and the journey and for delivering this and for driving, driving this project to, to reality. So congratulations to you and, uh, and Deb. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to meet you in person. Uh, which most certainly will happen. And uh, until then, I wish you all the best to you and your family uh, in Berlin. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, same, same. And since you have been living in Germany, uh, we will have uh, one or the other beer together, I'm sure. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Looking forward. Bye. Bye.